0: Welcome. You're on Deep Background, the Kansas City Stars newsroom podcast. I'm Scott Cannon. I'm a reporter. I'm joined today by Murray Williams. Hey, Murray.
1: Hi, Scott. How are you doing? <laughs> Murray is
0: our higher education reporter, knows the, the landscape here pretty well from uh, Manhattan to Columbia and beyond. Um, we're going to talk today just sort of broadly about a, a number of things that are happening on campuses, um, and things are sort of it's, there's controversy as there always is the,
1: yes at in education it, there is anyway it's ex,
0: <laughs> it, it, it costs a lot and we argue about it constantly it, beyond um, our basketball and football teams um, let's start out talking about MU
1: okay
0: so Mizzou is uh, you and I wrote a story that ran last weekend talking about the pretty significant drops in freshman enrollment at MU ever since November 9 2015 and we had protests um, about that, that stemmed from how um, black students and African-American faculty were being treated. Um, they arose out of a, a couple of incidents that um, sparked protests, and those protests sparked more, more pushback right. and more protests. The football <laughs> team threatened to quit a game, and um, down came the pan- chancellor and the president. Um, and the, the numbers you tracked down from the university were pretty... Uh, uh, striking. The drop in enrollment after 2015, it was like down by uh, I think 22 or 23 percent. Right, the immediately after,
1: right, the very first And then year.
0: it looks like it's going to be down another 16 percent going into the fall of uh, 2017. That's
1: right. MU is going to be so a, getting down its, a third, right. really, from They're, where it was. They will be getting their smallest freshman class in at least a couple of decades. So, you know, that's pretty significant for them, and that's that's money, right? You know, and the about. university
0: is acknowledging that it's the protests and right. the reputation that evolved from that um, that's making it so hard to recruit that's students. Right. Um, and you could you can imagine why. So if I'm um, I'm a black family, I may be reluctant to send my kid to a school where it looks like the perception is that they're not received the way they ought to be. And maybe if I'm a, a white family, I don't, I don't want to step into this drama. Right, right.
1: exactly. Um, and, or that you know maybe the university be paying too much attention with trying to deal with the demands of African American students and somehow that impacts the education the academic education that you get and then there's that middle i think too i think there's another group in there i think there's that middle group of students who want their child or whose child wants to be in a universe, at a university that is truly representative of the community and very diverse and maybe feels that they are not going to get that at MU. And so they're like, you know, why, why put myself in that situation? I'm looking for that diversity, that involvement. So, I mean, I, so I think there are three groups that they're dealing with losing,
0: right? And in a little bit of this interviews we had with students on campus, they, you know, generally say, well, things aren't really so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. that the, the tension, in a sense, that the tensions aren't real high, mm-hmm. but that there is still a bit of a cloud, and they worry about the perception to outsiders and. And, and how people might perceive MU and an MU degree and what it means to have come from there.
1: I also think that, that we're talking thousands of students on this campus, and I would say probably the majority of them never are impacted one way or the other. Yeah, far but, more concerned right.
0: about Saturday's Kegger and Monday's quiz. Absolutely.
1: Right? But you know, you do you read the stories, it's in the news, you know, it's on TV and about what has happened at MU. And so we from the outside tend to get this this vision of all these students very much concerned about um, the racial dynamic on their campus when you know you and i both know this as you walk around the campus and you talk to students it may not be it's not that right right that big a there deal may still be some self
0: segregation among That's, the student body absolutely there's always and been a lot that. of integration and people getting to know each other but it's not it's not topic one every day right or even nearly or, or very often at all right Yet, you know, we had in 2015, so the the student body president posts on Facebook about being the target of racial slurs. There was a, uh, was it, the black collegians were rehearsing some sort of ceremony. Somebody comes by, was belligerent toward them. Somebody spreads, makes a swastika out of feces in a dorm. And And all hell really breaks loose. Right. Right, and, 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 uh, you know... (laughs) To our listeners we were we had this podcast uh, halfway done and realized i wasn't recording but i was talking to you a few minutes before that part of what happens is, i think is that the the black students will say see you know this is a problem mm-hmm. and and the white students naturally get defensive i didn't do the swastika i don't yell the n-word at people right. you know and, and, and so it, it becomes it's, as it has always been race is such a hard thing to sort out because there's there's a sense of entitlement on both sides or all sides there's certainly defensiveness there's an assertion of, of, of simple human rights to, to people who are fed up mm-hmm. and, and you get what you know discussion of microaggressions which we, let's let's talk a little bit about how how that plays with
1: Right, because a a student, you don't necessarily have to, you're not perceiving yourself as racist, yet there will be things that a a faculty member might say um, that is considered a microaggression that is offensive to an African-American student. And I said earlier that, for example, you're in a classroom in which the discussion is about race um, in some way, and there are two African-American students in that classroom Lecture hall or in that classroom, and the professor turns to those two African American students and says, So, you know, so and so, what, you know, tell us what your opinion is, as if they're speaking for the entire black race. Or, right, you so know, suddenly I'm no longer
0: just a student, I'm an African American, I'm Absol- speaking for our race and Right, all that.
1: and so, and that is offensive. And so, and that professor probably did not intend to offend that student at all, didn't even realize they were, and they're not racist. But yet, they've made that student feel less than or marginalized in some way. Yeah, and that. Well, it's an
0: interesting example because I think today, you could, if a professor did that sort of example that you just called out, that's pretty clumsy classroom management.
1: Yeah, I know, and you'd but think I think they'd
0: be hipper I, than that. No,
1: I think that what I think you would think that they would be hipper than that. But I think the being comfortable in a situation after a while, you. You do get clumsy sometimes, and that's why the training that MU has instituted for faculty members about conducting your class and dealing with some of these issues—why that is so important. So they are doing training. They're training all of their professors, and they have a mandatory training for um, students too. When you come in as a freshman, you have to right, go through—you right. know—this diversity and I think inclusion. at least they have
0: to go through an online tutorial. That's and, right. right. You do
1: have to do that kind of thing. So, so you have. That that's why the students who were protesting. One of the things that they talked about, uh, firmly, was not so much. They didn't even talk so much about the microaggressions or direct racism, like somebody being called the N word as they walk across campus. I mean, but they talked about systemic oppression and systemic racism, which is embedded in the system so that you don't even realize that it's happening. It's just part of the way things.
0: Right, and a lot are. of the criticism was. We, uh, implicit in the criticism was, we understand that you can't stop
1: the, the jerk
0: who yells the N-word. Right. But it was the response to, of the university to these various incidents that, that the, the, these folks felt was lacking. Right. But, but when we talk, we talk about microaggressions, that, that term, um, will, will the hairs will raise on the back of the neck of the Republicans running the, the legislature in Jefferson City. They hear microaggressions, and they, to them, it sounds like snowflakes whining that these are precious little people that can't take what's going on in the world.
1: Well, the question is, should they have to take it? Right. That's the question. They sh- it shouldn't. They should not have to take it. They sh- and, and I think that's the way they might feel. I mean, my son, w- there's a microaggression that really gets him and just ticks him off. And that is when he meets someone, uh, goes for a job interview or something, and he has to, begins to have a conversation, and they say, like, wow, you speak very well. You have, you know, you <laughs> you know, and they don't mean, because he does speak very well for anybody, you know, they don't mean it the way he takes it. But to him, he thinks that because he's yeah, an African- the whole idea
0: of, uh, to, to describe a black person as articulate, it was right. this faint that's been going
1: on. Absolutely, forever. that he, they think that because he's African American, that he um, should, I don't know, have a dis be some different dialect or something, you know. Yeah. And so that really bugs him. So those those kinds of little things that I heard students talk about as I was walking around campus, talking to both African American students and white students, and there wasn't just the African American students. I mean, there were white students who noticed those things as well. And those students who were protesting. Um, there were many of the students were um, were white or international sure. students. You know, they weren't just African-American students. So, you know.
0: And, and here's and – so keep reminding people this is a basically a blue campus in Absolutely. the middle of a red state. And, it, and the other thing that was sort of a, uh, a blow-up was – I get always get her name wrong – Melissa Click?
1: Yes, Melissa Click.
0: So she's a communications professor on campus, caught on video – trying to keep a
1: student reporter out of a part of the quad, wouldn't it? That's right. She, they The students had developed, they put up a tent city um, in the middle of a quad, um, and there were quite a few tents there, I'd say probably about a dozen. Um, and then other students encircled that tent city, and they made like a human wall around the tent city, and they were would not allow any media or reporters beyond this human wall so they couldn't photograph the tent city. And the tent city um, is where that was sort of the central location for the protest and where also Jonathan Butler, I don't know if uh, listeners recall, Jonathan Butler was um, what, he was sort of the leader or the of this whole protest mm-hmm. movement, uh, went on a hunger strike, and he was there at that tent city. So, of course, everybody wanted to photograph that. And she... Got caught
0: up. Yeah, and she, at one point, she calls for muscle.
1: Yes, she does. And
0: that was probably the, certainly was the beginning of her demise. But it, it, again, the legislators in Jeff City that reinforced all the sort of things that they object to about college
1: campuses, and MU in particular. Well, I think they also thought that the administration had completely lost control of the campus. They thought that the fact that this protest was going on, the fact that the football team was threatening to walk out, that the uh, the, the chancellor and the president were stepping down, the students were in control, and now we have this professor of communications screaming for muscle to remove a student journalist from a quad, they thought, well, they have completely lost control. Yeah.
0: And what happened was the, we, we lost, heads rolled.
1: Oh, yes, they did.
0: Uh, Tim Wolf, who was the MU system president, resigned, uh, Bowen Lofton moved to sort of a different sort of job, yeah, sort moved of out of research, the chancellor's job. Right, exactly. Um... He's been replaced very recently.
1: Yes, he has. Um, Alexander Cartwright um, is now the new chancellor for the University of Missouri, and he comes from New York. He's from the SUNY system in New York, so he moves in there. They have. Congratulations, Obviously. you got a big new job. <laughs> That's <laughs> Good right. Good luck. I know. It's n- it was probably not an easy uh, position to fill because this was a national story, and everybody knows the university is still reeling from it. Right. So, um, But then you also have a new system president as well. Um Choi is the um, new system president. And so when he came in, one of, one of the things he said, the first thing he was going to do is find a replacement for... Uh, Bowen Lofton, and and he's and they also
0: created some sort of I I don't remember the title exactly, but some diversity.
1: Yes, they did. They immediately created a a vice chancellor for um, diversity, inclusion, or diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, which is the first time they've had a position like that.
0: Sort of title you would only find on an American college campus. That's right.
1: Well, they created a system wide position, right? Somebody for the system, and they found somebody for that. Kevin McDonald took that got that position. Then MU, they put someone in an interim position there. Um, He then moved back. He was a professor, a law professor. He's gone back to his uh, teaching duties. And Kevin McDonald, who is the system vice chancellor for diversity, equity, and inclusion, is now the interim for MU's um, Office of Diversity and Inclusion. So they don't have that position filled yet.
0: And all these th- all these measures feel to, to a lot of people like the the, the university uh, administration caved into Absolutely. what many perceived as unreasonable protests. We also have a new uh, chancellor at KU.
1: Yes, there is a new chancellor at KU, uh, Gerard uh, Douglas, Douglas Gerard. Gerard. Yes, and then there is, comes
0: from the KU Medical Center. That's
1: right, um, and so he, and he was um, applauded that that selection was applauded so i mean he's very new to the position so it remains right. to be seen he also
0: steps into difficult times oh, absolutely. i mean you know there's always something going on on campus but with a you know a star basketball player caught up in a essentially a domestic violence case with a, a, a former girlfriend who was on the, the women's basketball right. team <laughs> plus you've got the allegation from a 16 year old of a rape in the The fancy new dorm that just been opened up for the the basketball
1: team. Which according to the... And we don't know... Yeah, we don't know what's going on with that. The University Police uh, uh, Public Safety Department is, um, in all of our inquiries about that, it's an ongoing investigation. So we know little to nothing about that case at this point. Um, Nothing has has come out about it, except that it occurred. Um, There was a report that a 16-year-old may have been raped in uh, right. the dorm that is primarily an athletics, athletes dorm. Um, and there were, I think, some members of the foot of the basketball team, excuse me, who are listed as witnesses right. to that incident. What their involvement, to to what degree their involvement, we don't really know.
0: Right. Um, we got a new, I get confused on chancellors and president. President at Myers, K-State, yes, yeah. yeah so he, here's a guy who has been he started out as sort of this adjunct position at k k state and then shifted to something else before well this. he right?
1: became he moved in as the interim when um Kurt Schultz left he became interim um president um and they eventually then just hired him both permanently as the new president for K-State. Right.
0: And people may may remember he was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff for uh, George W. Bush and took charge of that position. I think he was Air Force. But um, anyway, yeah, he took, sure took, took charge of the Joint Chiefs just like a week before 9-11 happened. So probably knows a little bit about crisis management.
1: Right. Now, K-State has – they have their own issues, too. I mean – you know, so Kansas University, they have had issues with sexual assault on their campuses, and that, that's been a big deal for them. Um,
0: you wrote that uh, they're just one of, uh, I think, six schools in the country with five or more um, federal Title IX, which is uh, essentially discrimination against women, quite often Revolve around sexual harassment or sexual assault.
1: Right. Um, the idea
0: that that you got to provide an equal education to women, and if they're subject to these sorts of things, then you're not creating an atmosphere where right, they can. Right. Because
1: then they cannot learn. Right. The same or way. thrive. Exactly. I mean, and in the last, I would say in the last six, seven years, the uh, country has really been focusing a great deal on sexual assault on college campuses, or uh, better said, how college campuses handle and deal with sexual assault on their campuses. I mean, there was a report that and came out, one in five women who attend a, on a college campus will be raped while they're, while they're a student. Yeah, um, to me,
0: it's a, a fascinating and a difficult issue, because you've got so many of these cases where, well, there's not enough to bring a rape charge against a guy but yet schools will go ahead and discipline them, and, and there'll be the, the complaint from, you know, that uh, alleged assault, assault <laughs> attacker mm-hmm. that they're not getting due process. On the other hand, you've got the issue of, well, you know, we've got to make these places safe for, for women, and, it's, and it, it becomes all more complicated because it, if you look at the statistics, the, the, the non-college-going peer group is actually more likely to uh, suffer sexual assault than those women who go to college. It's, it's a tough issue. It is and a tough it, issue it, it, and it, because at the core, it's everything. Is he sh- said, she said so often that well, rape cases you, are just hard to, to prove and to prosecute.
1: Well, and then you throw in in there that we're talking about, you know, eighteen to twenty-five year olds. I mean, and drinking, was, a lot. drinking, and alcohol. You throw alcohol in in, in the mix, um, and and we're talking about young people who come from all over the country to this one place, the, a college campus. So they've grown up. We've got all kinds of values and ideas about alcohol and about sex and promiscuity and just and consent. And and consent. you know, some
0: schools have been ridiculed because they'll they'll give guidelines about if you're going to have sex with somebody, you you have to go step by step. May I touch your shoulder? May I kiss you? May I unzip your dress? All those sorts of things, which they invite mockery because that's not really how people hook up. Right. On the other hand, the the, uh, the the intent is, you know, she's passed out drunk doesn't mean you can jump on top of her.
1: No, it doesn't. But then, you know, I've also heard the argument from the accused um, that I was drunk too and I'm 18. And I have no sense, and, and that 18-year-old has just as, a problem with his judgment right. as the young woman. So yes, it's a very, very, very tough issue. But these college campuses are being held to deal with it, um, and there are guidelines. the The feds have put out guidelines for how to deal with it. Um, many institutions until recently just kind of ignored the guidelines. They just tried not to deal with it at all, but they're being, they're being forced to, and they're being held accountable. Um, the feds put out a list of um, uh, institutions across the country where there have been complaints made about how they've handled it, and that's where Kansas comes into play because they've got...
0: K-State.
1: K-State, yes. Yeah. They, they've got more of these complaints which lead to federal investigation into how they handled it, um, than any other in this region certainly, and I think there's only like six other institutions in the country with as many complaints as Case State.
0: Right. Another thing that Myers dealt with very early on in his tenure there, there was a noose hanging on campus. Yes. I don't remember if that it was, was very from recently yeah. or not
1: and um very prominently hanging from a tree on campus
0: and so you know the message goes out you know we're not going to tolerate this deal and and we want to be an environment where that doesn't work but myers put out a statement i'm reading here it falls on us to teach each other if you don't understand the understand please reach out to one of our african-american students faculty or staff to ask why this is intolerable and people went really dude <laughs> you know
1: yeah i know that
0: because you, the idea it's it's not fair to to put that onus on the the nearest black person to explain something that people ought to know
1: yes people ought to know that and we're talking about a college campus and the fact that people might not know that um, gives me pause it's like on a college campus you that's Basic American history, whether we want to admit it or not, and they certainly ought to know that. And then this is—I said like something you said earlier. I mean, this is the age of, of technology; you can Google it,
0: right? <laughs> you know. But there so. must also be—I don't not—I don't be an apologist for him, but there's a maybe a particular dynamic at at K State. So you've got again an overwhelmingly white population. Absolutely. And K State draws more from the rural parts of kansas and nebraska and, and and some other states then then ku or mu would. right they're, it's an so school you, you, so yes you've got more kids who are just not hip to sort
1: of racial issues that's true and then they're thrown into a, a, a dynamic that is you know where their their roommate or right right maybe african-american and maybe they've never Lived or been that close with an African American before, so yeah, I think I do think that part of what he was trying to do was to foster a conversation between white students and faculty and black students and faculty by saying that. Um, I just don't think it came off very well, but I, but I do see what he, he was trying to do. He wanted, I think that he was saying, you know, why don't you talk to each other? basically is what he was saying. That w- that goes a long way, and it does. I mean, that's part of what MU has been trying to do um, to uh, repair from um, the 2015 problem that they had is to force, force dialogue among students and faculty um, of um, different races and backgrounds because that does go a long way.
0: Right, right. You know, when we were reporting our story about the MU and its trying to overcome its image problem I talked to a guy who in the late 60s at San Jose State University had led a protest of black athletes and I think that led to the cancellation of a football game of some sort of prominent sporting event and the, the president lost his job a few later a few years later because of the fallout from that and his observation was that yeah this is going to hurt in the short term mm-hmm but that he felt that it would, you know, it made the, the institution stronger and, and more just, really, in the mm-hmm. long term. And I think that's what a lot of people would argue is is going on at MU. Some people, you know, certainly on the right, people feel like the, maybe the university is going too far, getting distracted by these issues.
1: Well, I, you know, some might argue that, but they're still focused on their research. I mean, we talked earlier about... Um, From the outside, it might seem like it, because we talk about these issues, and we've been writing about these issues for um, the last two years. But, I mean, you go on that campus and walk around, there's thousands of students, and there are many students who are there, and they're going to class and, and doing their thing, and when you ask them about some of these issues... Th- they're just not they're like well, what are you talking about so it's not like they're focused on this right. stuff and the faculty
0: might be engaged at them at some level but their primary concern is am i going to get tenure am i going to get my right. next paper published absolutely Am i going to get my next research
1: absolutely career? so they're they're still going about the business of of academics and research um and impacting um you know economic development um But these are underlining issues that were forced to the surface, um, forced into our consciousness, forced the administration to also pay attention to some of these issues, which were only, if they do, if they succeed in paying attention to them, can, as this um, gentleman said, make the university a stronger institution.
0: So, listen, everybody listening, I, I would commend you to um, follow Murray's work. Murray. what's your Twitter handle?
1: Oh, it's um, Williams Casey.
0: Okay. Um, and her work in The Star and at KansasCity.com. She's on top of all these sort of issues, both the, the long-term and the short-term. So, a good one to keep in touch with if you care about higher education, have a kid going to school, saving for a kid going to school. Oh, yeah, that's a big issue. concerned about your alma mater. We
1: know it's expensive.
0: And anyway, thank you all for being with us. You've been on Deep Background.